Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak. Hey everybody, Chad Terry here. Wanted to welcome you out to come and support local filmmakers to celebrate the Best of Denver 48-Hour Film Project. Where, you ask? The Mayan Theater. When? September 12th, 2019. How much is this going to cost me? 13 bucks. That's it, guys. Find us on Facebook at Denver 48-Hour Film Project. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you at the show. Hey, Real Nerds. There's many ways to enjoy the Real Nerds podcast. You can listen to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and now Spotify and iHeartRadio. You can see what we're up to around town by following us at Real Nerds on Instagram. And if you want to send us your thoughts, you can email us at realnerds at gmail.com or call us at 720-6nerds5. Like us on Facebook at Real Nerds Podcast or tweet us at Real Nerds. And now on with the show. Hi, this is Brian. No, that's this is my announcer voice, and you're listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Should I do this as my real self? Oh, shucky darn. Hi, this is Brian Cummings. You're listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Okay, do it straight. Hi, this is Brian Cummings, and actually you are listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Send money and real estate. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con 2020 and beyond. I am Ryan. With me this week is Corinne and and Zach. And this week we're going back in <laughs> Brad time. Brad is also here. I'm doing this episode on mute. <laughs> <laughs> to one of my favorite films that was playing. And a feather. Um, that is North by Northwest was playing at one of our local theaters i guess that's what that place is the landmark chez artiste do you guys still hate it yeah that like this the seats in that are so garbage it's not even funny mm. it's weird they're it's, almost brand new no, I, i'm talking about the layout the layout is oh, well, horrible it's a strip right. mall yeah. theater i don't know what you're supposed to i mean they could make it so that they don't angle yeah that's true <laughs> yeah it, what are you gonna do though it's been a... defending it brad what do you have stake in the fucking chez artiste there are so m- few theaters that are shitty i know <laughs> <laughs> we have I mean, to support all of our theaters theater. like, streaming is killing them i will always support the theaters but they should make it easier to support the theaters by making the seats uh face the screen well they, they got... uh corinne how what? was your experience watching North by Northwest? Um, did I watch it or did I just sleep through half of it? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I did not. But it was a little wonky. Yeah, there you... were some times where Cary Grant's, like, one of his eyes looked higher than the other. It was very bizarre. It's not the theater's fault we showed up late and had to get the front row seats. Quit making excuses for him. They should make, we they should make the, we were the theater for anyway. optimal viewing. When they remodeled, they should have changed the middle row to side rows. Yeah. yeah, it's but. not just the ShareRT though. Like when I saw Black Panther in the IMAX, I sat way too close, and it's like that <laughs> oh, yeah, was on brutal. me. But they shouldn't have had the rows that close in an IMAX theater. Yeah, their their outlay is no good, but their programming is pretty friggin' awesome. So I, if I can get into the back row, yeah, you're like, right. Time, I mean, it's the first time I've been there in ten years, so it's pretty spot on their yeah. programming. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, they're showing. <laughs> 
I'm going to um, see Charade there for sure. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go see Charade. Yeah, and they do other stuff throughout the year that's similar to this, and they also get some really interesting stuff. So, so it was fun. I mean, uh, they played uh, his biography before it. It's uh, Cary Grant, A Gentleman's Gentleman, I think, is that biography. Yeah, they played a bunch of stuff. They had, like, a whole thing on Bernard Herrmann. They had uh, interviews with Eva Marie Saint. Um, they had Hitchcock little, like, montage tributes. So it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. It was. Who was the guy doing the Q and A? He I, never introduced himself or being from he somewhere. Di- he didn't. He just Some described rando. it being. Uh, he just described it being an amazing movie, which he's not wrong. But then I guess they must have done the Q and A in the lobby or something. Or no, it was the theater. Everyone's just like, "Fuck this guy," mm. because he also said this movie's not as good as all his other ones. But I guess we'll watch it. He also said the Q and A is going to be like, "You decide what we talk about." Yeah. It's like, so, how many questions then? I, yeah. I I don't know. He might have been part of the Denver Film Club or something like that. Like, there's like a Denver Cinema Society or something like that that was like holding up signs outside the auditorium. So maybe it's part of a film club group. I can do a better Q and A than him. Well, yeah, but you've been trained in this for eight years. He's probably, you know, just a. a Why do you lose up with all these excuses from these guys? I'm not. I'm. I'm calling you amazing. <laughs> That's not. I'm just saying the real fans were the ones that dressed up. Mm-hmm. So yeah. no one else in that theater cares enough about that movie as much as we did. I know. Yeah. I mean, I definitely didn't. I mean, you thought we where else are you going to see Cary Grant co- cosplay? Like, I don't think there's any other real opportunity to do it. When I when I first went inside, this uh, lady in front of me was like, "You're gonna take your hat off, right?" It's like, Oof. elderly. I lady. can. It covers yeah. up the shape of my head. Yeah, elderly lady, right? I was yeah, born yes. with this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, when she was going to the movies back in her day, hats were an issue in the theater. They're not so much anymore. Yeah, but in their day, they also had the cur- like they were more courteous about theater going, so they they knew to take it off without being asked. Yeah. Exactly. Also, like nobody was sitting behind you, so. Wouldn't have mattered to yeah. anybody. Yeah, and those seats. And it are... probably if it was a stadium seated theater, it wouldn't have mattered anyway. <laughs> and those seats are at an angle anyway, so I don't think hats are going to contribute much. Kept on waiting for someone to be smoking and stuff in that theater. <laughs> <laughs> it's like De Niro and Cape Fear, just yeah. <laughs> like laughing way too loud. Yeah. Um, Anyways, we'll talk about that movie. It's only yeah. sixty years old, so yeah. we'll probably spoil it yeah. if you haven't seen it. <laughs> I, was I, talking... I didn't see it before then. Really? That's the first time you saw it? That's the first time I've seen any Hitchcock movie. Are you serious? What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. He's and you're that... sitting with the master of suspense over here? No. Yeah, that's why I can't be on his show. The master of rambling <laughs> yeah. who watches the master Ma- of suspense. Master of bullshit. Um, no, uh, when I, I sent him the questionnaire for Shamley, and he sent back a response that said, I think I've seen a few episodes of Alfred Hitchcock Presents, and that's it. No, I know I've seen a few episodes. Of that. <laughs> that was 30 years ago. Um, yeah, he used to be on Nick at Night. Yep. Nice. See, All I remember the is day, the silhouette. <laughs> oh, I I'm know very, what Nick at Night is. I'm very sad that Brad's first experience with, Hitch, with Hitchcock was in that theater mm-hmm. with those seats. Yeah. You, you should, you should, you come should with... have had like a real theater experience and not... You know, come with, with me. your neck crane back yep, against the forever tainted. Yep, <laughs> come with me to uh, the Alamo Littleton on September 29th. They're going to show uh, Rear Window uh, <gasps> for the victory screening. So. I would do that. That's a good way to do that. I'll watch Disturbia. And you really oh, like Shia no, LaBeouf. Oh, he did it. <laughs> you really like Shia LaBeouf between Peanut Butter Falcon and Disturbia, man? Like, yeah, I watched two of his movies, and I'm a fan. <laughs> yeah, probably the biggest fan ever. Yeah. yeah, and he owns the entire DVD collection of Even Stevens. Yep. Oh, and holes. I've seen all the Transformers movies. Yeah. <laughs> Does Even Stevens, the complete series, exist on DVD? Probably. 
I wouldn't mm. be surprised. If I just want to point out too, Nick at night when Brad and I were young was Dick Van Dyke, Bewitched, Alfred Hitchcock, the not like shit. your newfangled Friends and. <laughs> Other stuff that's on it, but you like that show. No, Friends is my favorite show ever. I'm just saying oh, that. Then don't read but that it shouldn't be a... article that came out about how it sucks. Well, people it was also poorly written. <laughs> Could they be any more wrong? Dude, you said that thing that they don't like saying in that in the article. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. So, what else? You know, do we I mean, do I, mean I could I could write an article and be like, "This is why Star Wars sucks," just to get people to be like, "What." <laughs> Not really reading. Provide article. no evidence. You know what I should do <laughs> is I should just write that headline and in the article say how much I love Star Wars just nope. to see if people will just, <laughs> just say react. sucker. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the click, click sucker. Me. But I got to make sure that I, you know, for the first paragraph I write saying, you know, everyone talks about how great Star Wars is, and like just so when people start reading, you're like this, this fucking guy, and then it just be like, no, I'm just kidding. You just. Proved a point. Dot, dot, dot. And they're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I have never seen Friends, so I have no dog in the fight. Uh, spoiler, they'll be there for you. But, um, yeah, um, I have no dog in the fight, but uh, I thought the article was well well written. So I may have to send it to you. Um, See what nope. your thoughts are on it. <laughs> uh, articles can't be well written if they're just negative all the time. Yeah. John Ekstrom, uh reposted that article and i read it and it was not well written at all <laughs> like i did or at the very least it just sounded it was like a rant bitching, so yeah it wasn't a proper analysis yeah. yeah give me real analysis i mean now that you're finally here you've been listening to our latest episodes i have this 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 lady here about top gun and editing so what's wrong with the top gun editing oh my gosh i just it's all over the place i can't follow yeah, you're in a the cuts jet. the cuts are so quick and the because you're in a um, jet what is it like the continuity of fo- i forget what the term is for it but basically like the focus of the cut shifts so like in mad max fury road they made sure that what you were looking at is the same between cuts like it's in the same position and then it was not that way. I mean, he got nine. nominated for an Academy Award for it. So. <clears throat> yeah, and what was its competition? I don't know. Okay, then. <laughs> what else do we do it might have show? been best by default. <laughs> but then, I mean, you gave it that and Scarface the same also, rating. Also, that, that whole like, love scene went on way too long. Somebody should have cut that down. No, so no, it, uh, he was taking her breath away. Uh, oh, they played that song yeah, about that 500 one, times. I was going yeah, yeah. to say, it didn't ugh. take your breath away. You from say, me? I'm dangerous. Look how you're driving. Fuck, I, love that I, don't, I don't know. That movie has a love affair with Highway to the Danger Zone and Take My Breath Away. Yeah, it's from the 80s. Oh, I'm playing with the boys. Yeah. Man. Volleyball, man. Yeah, but it play, It only played that song once. It plays the other ones multiple times. Well, yeah, because back in that day, see, Corinne, this isn't in the old, like, 80s time, as they always had really big theme oh, the old songs, mm-hmm. whether it's Caddyshack, well, also Kenny Loggins, <laughs> uh, Top Gun. They just wanted to get you in the, you know, the mood. That's why that, yeah, in the mood. Awesome. Did Kenny Loggins, like, I don't know if you knew this, Ryan, but composers exist. Yeah, but not when it's a high-octane jet-flying movie. And actually... I would argue that the uh, the theme at the beginning when they're on the aircraft carrier is, carrier is pretty iconic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was actually a good piece of yeah. music. Everything else was garbage. Oh, my God. You okay, so, so the competition, competition for Top Gun and editing in 1986 were Platoon by Claire Simpson, Aliens, mm-hmm. Ray Lovejoy, Hannah and Her Sisters, Susan E. Morse, <laughs> The Mission, Jim Clark, and Top Gun, Billy Weber, and Chris Lebenzon. 
Levinson. Yeah, it's all these like super hardcore action movies and Hannah and her sisters. I don't get Hannah and her sisters nomination. All right, well, whatever. Yeah, that's like the least interesting part of that movie. Maybe they stole the Oscar from Aliens. Which one? Platoon one though. Oh yeah, Platoon should. Platoon's a wonderfully edited film. Oh, so it was just nominated. You said before. Okay. No, it won because it also won Best Picture that year, and yeah, it was around the time when editing and Best Picture. Platoon's a tough movie to watch, but it's a good one. Willem Dafoe raises his hands up to the air. My favorite line in Top Gun, hands down, is when uh, the guy goes, "I got to give you your shot, you two characters." And I just like that. I just like to think that he's talking about like from a meta standpoint, like you two characters in this screenplay are gonna go to your dream. Yep, Top Gun's great. Yeah, Scarface is garbage. No way on the same equal level I playing field. Said, did you listen to the thing? I, did listen I to said it. That's why that I, so I would watch Top Gun over Scarface. <laughs> That's why I had to give it three stars instead of two and a half. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And I and I said yeah, I am not the target demographic no, for you're, this you're, movie. No, no, you're good. So that's probably a contributing yeah, factor so, to why. So I not didn't a cool like person. It. it actually had four nominations. Uh, the others were sound effects, editing, sound, and music, original song, "Take uh, My Breath Away." Yeah. Wow. Oh my god. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just keep on proving my point, Brad, about how great Top Gun is. <laughs> There's an asterisk next to it. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> Probably <laughs> means, mm, yeah, except that, no, it sucks. It was it was taken back. <laughs> that song's used really well in Ocean's Eleven, Oh, sweet. Star Trek Four got four nominations. Which one? Star Trek Four. Oh, Home. that's a pretty fun Academy Cinematography, Awards. music, original score, sound effects, editing, and sound. So it was in competition with Top Gun. Wait, wait, wait. Ooh. Not best supporting actor for Leonard Nimoy for taking out a guy on the bus who was playing his music too loud? I guess that's... Statue worthy? <laughs> yes, it is. It is. Can you say Nimoy's supporting or would he be a lead actor too? He'd be supporting. Shatner's still the lead. Mm, I mean, I don't know. In I'm four? sorry. I, I'm sorry. You know what? Shatner's supporting. The whales are the lead in the movie. <laughs> That's it's really an ensemble. Yeah. 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 Anyways, we also talk about movies we've been watching. <laughs> Blu-rays are coming out. Movie news. Um, and I really like this last segment because we just proved that Corinna's wrong about Top Gun. Hey, what our happened? New, our new segment, Prove Corinne Wrong. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what else would you say that made me really mad? You did another one. Night of the Living Dead. No, not um, the, not, no, it was recently. I don't know. I know I did Room with a View. Yep, not that one. Don't care about that. I don't know then. I'll have to think about it. Maybe it was just Top Gun and just boiling over for <laughs> weeks. Something. Oh, I did four weddings and a funeral right after that. I think you were like, eh, she liked it more than Top Gun. Yeah, she? that's right. <laughs> Zia just kept on boiling over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, Brad, take me around town in your beautiful Jeep and tell me what's happening. Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. Watch as Brad goes around town. <laughs> Even make it fit. <laughs> <laughs> Say, Top Gun is the shit. <laughs> Top Gun is the shit. <laughs> Don't teach him bad things, Ryan. He's going to go into his kindergarten classroom and be like, Top Gun is the shit. Tom and then Cru- be the coolest kid in class. <laughs> Tom, Cru- Tom Cruise listens to the podcast, hears, hears Kellen's review, and he just goes, good. Good. <laughs> and then he calls me. He wants to come on the show. Yeah. Honestly, do I need to send for a plane for you? He's like, no, I'll run. It'll yeah. be awesome. 
did you see that parody video of him running for president? It's not him, but it's like a actor doing it. I thought it was kind of fun. I have not. Yeah, it's pretty cute. I'll send it to you. Uh, the Midnight the Esquire this week for September sixth and seventh is the Never Ending Story. Apparently, yeah! it's the thirty fifth anniversary. <laughs> hmm. Um, Seems like that movie has an anniversary every year. It's never ending. I just watched the Workaholics episode where they turn Durz's car into Falcor. Because <laughs> they're doing like an 80s trivia thing. Yeah, that's pretty funny. And then the drive-in <laughs> is doing Angry Birds 2, The Art of Racing in the Rain. That's the one with the dog. Yep. In the, the car. From Heroes. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm suddenly drawing a blank on the third one. Is it still Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? No. No. Great. I gotta look it up. Spider Man Far From Home Extended Cut. Maybe sure. it's scary stories to tell in the dark. Oh, yes, it is. That is what it is. That's what it is. Scary stories to tell in the dark. Nailed it. That'd be a cool drive in movie. So, like I remembered, scary stories to tell in the dark. With no help at all. <laughs> and then uh, September 12th, come out to the best of uh, the 40 hour film project at the, at the Mayan. I'm not the, supporting other films that you didn't get picked for. Wow. That's I'm harsh. Kind of, I'm kind of with Ryan on this. If you Thank had been you, in it. I would have been tempted to go, except I'm going to be out of town, so I wouldn't have been able to go anyway. But, but I would have felt bad about filmmakers. not being there. I do. I support one. <laughs> you got to support them all. No. I don't really care. <laughs> Make something that I care about. I mean, you have to go see them to care about them. They're not just well, going to show up online. They do post them online sometimes. Like, Are you friends with those people? I'm like garbage. <laughs> Why do I have to be friends with them? I'm friends with you. I don't know how you'd see their movie if you're That's not like friends with really them. That's really adorable what you just said. Why do I have to be friends with them? I'm friends with you. I'm not going to post them. Because, <laughs> you know, Ryan, you can only be friends with one filmmaker. Exactly. So that means, Zach, you're out of the Oh, shit. That's <laughs> why we group. hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, Zach has to make a movie for me to <laughs> can classify him as a filmmaker. Pretty sure I've made at least four different short films. <laughs> I mean, I'm waiting for another film. Oh, you're waiting for another one. Gotcha. You have to renew it every year. It's like yep. academy membership. <laughs> like a... that, that's why I do the 48, so I renew my <laughs> Ryan Your membership Ryan every card. year. <laughs> yep. You know what? Brad's been going 10 years strong. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Someday he's gonna be, I'm going to be your favorite. Um, yeah, that's what's going on around town. Awesome. What Blu-rays are coming out next week? DVD releases and Blu-rays. It better be something cool. That Evil Dead still book was awesome. Yeah. But why is it not 4K? Because it's, it's a still book released from like, I don't know, like four years ago. Really? I've never seen it before. But it was like, it was one of those pre-order designs that mm. you had to like jump on and obviously I wasn't fast enough. And then, um, yeah, I got it. So like, Where was that at? FYE at the uh, Mills. That, Anything no. sorry, exciting no. coming out? <laughs> Anything well, worth buying? Yeah, uh, there's a lot of good things worth buying. Uh, mm. Booksmart, one of the best movies of the year, is available on Blu-ray. You yeah, can pick that up. No, buy 4K, it at Booksmart. I wasn't like a huge fan of that movie. I uh, enjoyed it, but not as much as everybody thought I would. Uh, it's 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 pretty wonderful, and I love it. Maybe I need to rewatch it. Maybe you should. Um, I mean, it's really good. I would definitely watch it again. Um, I haven't seen this, but Men in Black International is getting a blue K, uh, Blu-ray blue K. and four. Ooh, that's interesting. <laughs> Blu-ray and four K release. Um, we should just start abbreviating it to say blue K. Blue K. <laughs> Do you have a blue K of flowers? Um, also, I guess they're re-releasing Scooby-Doo. Where are you? The complete series, <gasps> um, like the original in, in a, cartoon. Yeah, in a limited edition uh, collection, you can pick nice. that up. Mm. Uh, you can get season three of True Detective on Blu-ray. Um, uh, which has Mahershala Ali in it, so uh, you can check that out. But no Alexandria Daddario naked, so I don't care. 
That first season is epic for lots of reasons. Oh, no, first season's great. <laughs> yeah, but mostly what you just mentioned. Um, and you can get Ma, um, the Octavia Spencer horror film on Blu-ray. Um, Directed uh, by the helps, Tate Taylor. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm curious. I haven't. I didn't get to see it, so I'm I'm still wanting to check it out. But uh, there's a new uh, like reissue or steel book of it from 2017 coming out in 4K. Um, uh, by the way, it chapter two is coming out next week. Um, and uh, one of my favorite films of the year, Nightmare Cinema, is getting its Blu-ray release. Uh, there's also I don't know if it's still available, but there's a limited edition VHS version of it. Um, so that uh, you can't watch. <laughs> yeah, you can if you It'll go just to a be cool decoration piece. You can go to a thrift store and get a piece uh, to play it in. I bet your VCR will not play on your yeah. 4K TV. You know what you're gonna love though? Uh, Rambo from t- 2008 is getting a 4K release. Uh, yeah, um, I need to see him pulverize people in beautiful 4K. I'm curious why they didn't put it out when they put the first three out, but I think it's different studios. Uh, but Lionsgate doesn't Lionsgate have the I thought Lionsgate had the rights to the first three too for release home video release but yeah because I have the four pack on Blu-ray mm-hmm. so interesting maybe it's just trying to reinvigorate you for Rambo Last Blood Chapter Two <laughs> or whatever it's called maybe there's just that like consciousness of like like people still maybe aren't remembering yeah, yeah. that there was a yeah. 2008 one um. And then uh, Shout Factory is putting out Mary Magdalene from 20, uh, 2018. It was the Joaquin Phoenix Rooney Mara film about Mary Magdalene. Um, I did not see it. Uh, it's got a whole different reputation other than the movie itself. For It's in, uh, being produced by Weinstein. Um, and I believe that's it. There's a re-release of Dogtooth from Kino Lobor. If you've never seen Dogtooth, that's an early Yorgos Lanthimos film that's amazing and fucked up. Uh, so I'd check it out. Oh, I'm sorry. There is from RLJ Entertainment, you can get Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Uh, so I guess that's a brand new release of the Elvira James movie. really hates that lady. Why does he hate Elvira? Like, is it because it, he's not Vampira? <laughs> I think it's because it's he doesn't like that as a parody of Plan 9. I'll have to ask him. Hmm. By the way, before this goes <laughs> too far, like for weeks, you guys have been saying Kino Lo- Lobor, mm-hmm. but it's Kino Lorber. Lorber. Yeah. My bad. I I, I, I apologize. I'll, I'll go hang myself. Yeah, you do that. <laughs> Get it right. Um, but anyway, that's Blu-rays. Movie news happened this week in a segment called Real News. <laughs> Not movie news like MTV. We're real news because we're real nerds. Remember Kurt Loder? What happened to him? It's real news. I don't know. We're glad he's not you, though. <laughs> uh, one of my most favorite lines in Dead Man on Campus is where there's a. Uh... So the premise for Dead Man on Campus is these guys are trying to get their roommate to commit suicide so they can get A's um, in school because there's like some charter in their university that if your roommate kills himself, then you get straight A's. Mm hmm. I mean, a perfect uh, setup for a movie. Would not work today. <laughs> and so they can't find the right guy, but then they get this super depressed emo guy, and he's British. And they start interviewing him, and, he, and the British guy says, Who the fuck are you? Fucking Kurt Loda. That's one of my favorite like bits in it. <laughs> and then uh, they walk in on the dude, and he's singing show tunes. And he, they said, Wait a minute. You're not depressed. He's like, Yeah, I am. I'm really fucking depressed. And he makes a face, and they go, You're not even British. <laughs> so it's just an act. It's a really funny movie. I'm totally stupid. Yeah. 
I mean, it's only on DVD, and I have the DVD, and it's one of those ones that isn't formatted right. So when you watch it on your 16.9 TV or your 4K, it's right in the center because mm-hmm. it's not cropped properly. It's yeah. a horrible watch. Yeah. I'm sure Kino Lorber will get around to it. <laughs> you put it on your 98 film solution, didn't you? I did. Yeah. There you go. It's a high school classic. Anyway, in news, though, um, let's just talk about it right now. Uh, that Star Wars Rise of Skywalker uh, D23 footage. Heck yeah. Uh, Evil C-3PO. Red red glowing lights of doom. No one cares about C-3PO. Yes, they do. They need to because because I'm tired of people bitching about that thing at the end where Rey has a dark hood and a double lightsaber. It's badass. She looks amazing in it. Let's not get angry about that and instead focus on C-3PO becomes a kill bot. No, That's no. way more interesting. No, that's no. just how his eyes uh, look when he's downloading information. Uh, who's the best droid in Star Wars? Uh, K-2SO. <laughs> R2-D2 or C-3PO. I mean, it, it, but most people aren't going to be like, I love C-3PO. Ooh, fuck that guy. I mean, We like R2. Then- he saves everybody. The Force Awakens, he had a red arm for no reason. Maybe now he has red eyes for no reason, except to be a red Maybe Harry. at a late night partying. Nope, Killbot. At the very least, I can imagine the Emperor's like channeling whatever <laughs> Sith Force through him to speak to the crew of the Falcon. Yeah, I that, don't know. That sounds about right. I don't think it means anything. No, like, neither. Yeah. Um, there's some yeah. shots that are beautiful though, with Rey and Kylo on the freaking busted out Death Star. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They're really like good at making awesome. you see just little glimpses of the film and making you really want to see it. Right. And it looks fun. it looks like it's going to be a great time. Like I'm curious oh, I think to see it's going to be do. amazing. Obviously it's going to be, but um but yeah, and then um the 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 way they kind of led up to it with footage from the past like it, it it's a nice little tribute to like this is the end. Um yeah, and then I guess there was also a piece in the news where like JJ Abrams had to clarify that he's not fixing things Ryan Johnson did, which I'm like, yeah, because you didn't have to because Ryan Johnson made a brilliant film. And J.J. Abrams was like executive producer on The Last Jedi. Yeah. So, so it's not yeah. like he yeah, didn't so, know what the hell was going on. It's not like he went in there cold and he's like watching the film in the theater. It, what the fuck? It's, <laughs> it's almost as though he was on the same page with Johnson and J.J. Abrams doesn't care about angry fanboys. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't. Make the no, movie you want to make. No, exactly. Um, you know, uh, speaking of... Uh, uh, franchises. Hot though. take. Last Jedi is the second best Star Wars movie. I said it. What? Cool down, Ryan. <laughs> My favorite scene in Star Wars history is in that movie. Uh, so, uh, moving on to another franchise, though. Uh, Halloween Kills uh, started filming, and they've added new two new cast members. Um, the one that was most recently announced is Kyle Richards, who played uh, Lindsay Wallace in the original 1978 film, will be returning. Uh, you may know her nowadays on one of the Real Wives shows, um, but I guess she's returning, so that's nice. Uh, but the best news um is that tommy doyle has been cast and it's anthony michael hall um i kind of wish it had been paul rudd <laughs> yeah and say paul rudd would have been cooler i mean um or even the guy who played him in the original film if we're gonna you know bring kyle richards back might as well get that kid brian andrews to play him but anthony michael hall is really good yeah he's a great actor yeah and uh, i think he'll do the job just right yeah he'll um, be killed very nicely he, given the way he looks nowadays, he can do kind of weathered, like depressed, pretty well. Um, uh, but yeah, and um, sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. We've got um, a ghost in here. Ryan, there's a new Spider-Man animated series coming from Marvel. What? Yeah, 
Uh, Marvel's Spidey and His Amazing Friends is heading to Disney Junior in 2021. So something for Kellen to watch, I guess. Um, they had a Spider-Man animated series on Disney XD at some yeah, point. Yeah, it's called Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh, is it? But this one's Spidey and His Amazing Friends. Is this the one that has like, Deadpool cameo and he's like, oh, you know, well, okay, we're Spider-Man. Does Sony not have exclusive rights to Spider-Man as a cartoon? Mm-mm. No. Only movie. They have no licensing. They only have the movie rights. Yeah. So Marvel could do like another Spider Verse without Sony's permission. Not in theaters. I, I mean, I guess they could do one on just TV. on streaming. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, but um, and um, I don't know how long ago we talked about this, but they were talking about making a Flame and Hot Cheetos movie, which was basically about the invention of Flame and Hot Cheetos, which Ryan actually filled us in on how it was like yeah, a whole story. It's an story. interesting story. Yeah. Well, that interesting story is still in development, and it will be directed by Eva Longoria. Nice. So, yeah. Um, it uh, sounds like a very interesting project. I'm actually very curious to see what she does with it. Um, Ryan, uh, the uh, original composer of Evil Dead uh, is reimagining the score for a screening of Evil Dead in 4K. Um I don't remember the score for the first Evil Dead that much other than the source music of like that old record music. Mm-hmm. So um, how do you feel about something like that? That's fine. I mean, if he's doing it, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it can be punched up a little bit. Right on. I mean, they're working on no budget. So if you're able to take the music and make it better. Maybe this is uh, gearing up for another release of, <laughs> of Evil Dead in 4K. Uh, but if you want to see it early, you have to go to MondoCon 2019, uh, which I didn't even know Mondo had a con. So yeah, uh, it shows I, how much I fucking know. I'm pretty sure I have five or six copies of Evil Dead from DVD to Blu-ray. But you've got to you've got to keep them in case the apocalypse happens. But we have a yep. record of Sam Raimi and his greatness. You know, it's that's true. not a joke. I'm serious. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm doing with the Jack Benny Me movies. Too. Sam Raimi doesn't make movies anymore. He's like no, you. He hangs. <laughs> Uh, he hangs out in his garden, is what I've heard. <laughs> He's that, probably that, just living off that Spider-Man Four money. Yeah, and wouldn't you? Like, I thought he was in development on something recently. Oh, but, he is. He's yeah. always like he's he's more of a producer now. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, moving on. Uh, Andy Muschietti. Uh, Muschietti. I don't. I still don't know how to pronounce his name. Say uh, it like an Italian, and it'll sound better. Andy Muschietti. There you go. <laughs> Dominic De Coco. Um, uh, he confirms that he will be directing Ezra Miller's The Flash, so that is officially the slate. Um, and he's gonna, and he says it's gonna be a beautiful human story. Mm-hmm. Um, Hopefully, it'll be really fast uh, until he drops out. <laughs> <laughs> they should get Tom Cavanaugh to play the Reverse Flash because he's mm-hmm. like so awesome on the. He's like the best part of that TV show. I've never seen an episode. Yeah, you should watch the first season and then just don't watch any of the rest of it. Yeah, it was good until the third. I know, That's where I dropped off. Big Flash fan. He just runs fast. I heard Mark Hamill's really fun on him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he's in the first season, I think. Who does he play? Trickster. He, yeah, Trickster. Trickster. Okay. Um, <laughs> right on. And the last piece of news. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys are smarter than me. I get it. Uh, the last piece of news, uh, Richard Linkletter, uh, director of such films as Boyhood, Last Flag Flying, and most recently, Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Uh, he's going to make a uh, film adaptation of Merrily We Roll Along with Beanie Feldstein and Ben Platt. And it's going to take 20 fucking years to make. Um, because if you don't know Merrily We Roll Along, it uh, kind of deals with the life of a guy who's trying to make it big on Broadway and um, uh, uh, and then eventually moving into a career in movies in Hollywood. Uh, and it kind of flashes in between different points in his life. So he's going to do the boyhood thing for Merrily We Roll Along. Um 
it's a good musical. I am very curious to see how he does it. Yeah. Um, and uh, so look for that in 2040. <laughs> if we're all even still alive. Yeah. Oh, Ryan, we'll have to, even if even if the show's dead at that point, we'll have to revive it at that mm-hmm. point to just to review it, to follow up on Fuck this news. Fuck Richard Linklater. <laughs> that's why Sam Raimi is the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> and that's news. We oh, want... Unless you want some 1959 news. Uh, Fidel Castro just uh, assumed power in Cuba. Nice. So, um, you know, communism, guys, beware. And Hawaii is now a state. Congratulations. Yay. Uh, Hawaii is beautiful. Yeah. Ever uh, been? But Lou Castello did die uh, in 1959. So, anyway, that's your time capsule for our review this week. We watch movies throughout the week in a segment I call What We've Been Watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. We can get the Crypt Keeper to do our intros. It'd be way fun, more fun. Corinne, what'd you watch this week? Well, I haven't been on in a while, so I'll talk about a couple British of romantic comedies. Here we go. Not so much, actually. Oh. I think I watched one British film, and it was not a romantic comedy. Was it about tea? It was not about tea at all. It was about all. crumpets. Because <laughs> well, I have a feeling that's what most British films are about. So, Shaun of the Dead has a great tea sequence. <laughs> right, right. Do your tea and biscuits skit. <laughs> oh, I love my tea with my biscuits. We call biscuits cookies biscuits in England because we're most sophisticated. Woo, he did the thing. <laughs> that does make me think, though, y'all should do an episode on the Downton Abbey movie so then I can come on and rave about how much we have I love Downton Abbey I will not be two. on that episode. Okay, then that's fine. Uh, be so much fun though. <laughs> right. We could have so we just killed somebody. Mm, here's more tea. <laughs> right, there's tea right over there. Oh no, the middle class, it's <laughs> on the way. <laughs> it was but the chimney sweep. Wow. <laughs> anyway. Dick Van Dyke better have a cameo in a Dalton Happy movie <laughs> with his terrible accent. <laughs> uh terrible or no. wonderfully cartoony. It's wonderfully cartoony, but it's <laughs> It's anyway, terrible. you do not say anything bad about the, Dick Van Dyke. They're cleaning out the flume in the Abbey, and they find the crumpled, broken body of Dick Van Dyke inside it. <laughs> oh, no. There's been a murder. <laughs> Quick, call the constable. In a corner, like, rocking back and forth. Chim, chimney, chim, chimney. Then Phoebe chim- Cates walks in and starts talking about how her dad tried to be Santa Claus and <laughs> fell down the chimney. hey oh, gremlins it's and Mary Poppins <laughs> combined. <laughs> We should be making movies. Fucking A. <laughs> anyway. anyway um, and we'll be done with that. <laughs> <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> so I finished the Miyazaki series. Um, I have reviews of all 11 films that he directed on the Real Nerds website. So go check that out. I also have a series recap that all of you should read as well. Mm-hmm. And at the end, spoilers, I guess, um, I announced that I would be doing three like three bonus posts about the three movies that Miyazaki wrote but did not direct and they are from Up on Poppy Hill, The Secret World of Arietti and Whispers of the Heart. I keep wanting to call it Secrets of the Heart but it's Whispers of the Heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and the post for, for the movie from Up on Poppy Hill is already on the website mm-hmm. and by the time this episode comes out I'll probably have the post on The Secret World of Arietti up there as well. Mm-hmm. And then I'll put the review for Whispers of the Heart up in the next week or two because I haven't watched it yet. Nice. But I did watch its prequel. 
I don't know. It's weird. Um, so it's called The Cat Returns, and it was made fancy after. It, he is a fancy cat, actually. Um, his name is Baron something something something. It's Ver- Baron something von Gigenheim, whatever. He's voiced Baron von Kitty Gigenheim. Something like that. The third. <laughs> um, but he's voiced by Carrie Elways, and it's oh, like yes, yeah. That's- Perfect. Perfect. It is perfect. Perfect. <laughs> As you ah. whiskers. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm really excited to watch Whispers of the Heart because I guess he plays the same character in that movie as well. Um, but whiskers the... of the Heart? Whispers. Uh, whispers of the Heart, Ryan. I'm just going to keep on That's doing the, the film cat I'm going to make about my old cat. <laughs> I'm totally felining that one. Um, but The Cat Returns is delightfully weird. That's maybe the best way to describe it. I think most Miyazaki films can be well it's not even a Miyazaki film he wasn't even involved in it at all it's just Ghibli producing it Mm -hmm. yeah it's another Studio Ghibli film by the way my mom started reading your articles and now she's wanting me to purchase a bunch of Ghibli films and I'm just like yeah well do you got money (laughs) I'll probably end up watching all the Studio Ghibli films by the end Mm. um, just because I've had such fun with them they they really are really well made movies they're wonderful Um, to watch but I, th- I feel like the ones I've watched that Miyazaki didn't direct, they're kind of bizarre. Um, yeah. Yep. I don't want to give it away, but you should go um, watch From Up on Poppy Hill because that is maybe the most bizarre teen love story I've ever seen. But I don't want to ruin it for you, so. <laughs> Brad's making a weird face. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know what I was in for, and then I was like, oh. I've never seen it. No, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Um, but I have watched a couple of other Japanese animation movies that are not Studio Ghibli, and they're both wonderful movies. Ninja Scroll? No, Ryan. Damn it. The first one is called Your Name, and it is excellent. That's what I'm I mean, it's, I think it's like 73 on the IMDb Top 250. It's got and really I, good reception. Yes, I absolutely understand why. This is, I mean, it's almost perfect. It's just the characters are great. The animation is just beyond stunning. The music works. I mean, it's just it's so well put together and it just knocks your socks off. Um, I don't want to talk about it too much because it's one of those movies that the less you know going into it, I think the more you'll enjoy it. If I gave away the premise now, I think you'd be like, oh, that doesn't really sound good. But when you watch it, it's like oh my gosh, this is so weird and just fun and then crazy shit happens. And Yeah. Yeah, I remember because it's on one of those lists of overrated films. <laughs> I don't think it's overrated. J.J. totally made that up. J.J. <laughs> Abrams wants to do a live-action version of it or, like, produce one. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know the premise, but, like... I, I, I think he would be able to do it. Yeah. He, him or Ryan Johnson. Ooh. Wink, wink. That might give you a hint as to what it's about. Ewoks? No. No. A detective mystery? <laughs> no. no. Anyway. A, a plane crashes and they, they might be in purgatory? No. no. Anyway. Lost. Um, so then, yeah, I know what Lost is, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I is watched it, that entire fucking show is it about the penult- as it was airing, so. Is it about the penultimate episode of a uh, teacher turned meth dealer? <laughs> no. Hmm. Anyway, uh, better call Saul. <laughs> and then the other one I watched is called Mirai, and mm-hmm. it was nominated for Best Animated Picture at the Oscars last year and lost to uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which it should have. 
As it should have. Yes, I agree. I think Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is a better movie, but Mirai is also delightful and fun. And the kind of, the premise kind of gets a little repetitive, but I think it's aware of that. By the time you get exhausted, it's like, okay, now we're going to switch it up a little bit. Um, so this one I will talk about because it's not super ruining it, like with your name. Um, it's about this young boy named Kuhn. He's probably like Kellen's age, actually. He's like maybe five. And his parents um, have an, another kid. Uh, so he has a baby sister and he's trying to adjust to his parents giving the baby more attention than they, you know, they give him now. So he, you know, because he was an only child and now he's not. So he goes on this like magical kind of time warping adventure where he gets to meet his sister from the future and gets to meet like other relatives from the past. And it's, it all comes together beautifully at the very end with this like beautiful image of like the family tree and stone. You should all check it out. I bet I bet you you guys would like it, Ryan. Maybe. You and Does Kellen could watch it? it. Like violently. That's all I care about. <laughs> no, it's a That's, family film. Man, every time I think of Japanese anime, I just think of Ninja Scrolls, so I don't know. It's like in Ninja risk. Scroll, people get hit in the head and blood literally geysers out of them. So you think you should watch that? I think you'd really like it. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, That'd so be one movie I would never let you watch. Ninja Scrolls. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Knowing you, I don't think you would like that one. Okay. (laughs) See, now you're kind of making me like want to watch it. Is this your reverse psychology's working? It's like this is your plan. I mean, if you like demons and blood and guts and fucking, (laughs) yeah. Okay. And abusive women. Last one, but (laughs) yeah. Um. Yeah. So those are all great. You should check them out. I also watch How to Train Your Dragon three. Really good movie. Um, when are they going to train these dragons? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, they I keep think... going untrained. <laughs> Kelly got excited. So, he loves something. these movies. A trailer for the fourth uh, one comes out. Like, how many times do we have to be taught this lesson? No, they they bring a really nice end to the series. Oh, okay. I don't oh, I don't yeah, think yeah. they would be able to make a fourth one no, given the ending of, end of it, yeah. the third. Until whatever studio's like DreamWorks. revenue goes down. Like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> How yeah, to train possibly. Shrek with your dragon. <laughs> so, I'm not a huge like DreamWorks animation person. I like Kung Fu Panda and I like the How to Train Your Dragon movies, but this one is just, it's stunning. There, there at the very end, I noticed, um, oops. Um, there at the very end, I noticed like in the final, like one of the final scenes between Hiccup and Toothless, there's like you get kind of a um, medium shot on Toothless and you can see Hiccup reflected in his eye. Uh. And I was like, oh, my gosh, just like the attention to detail in this movie is insane. So props to the animators for that. Um, I also watched the the one British movie I did watch it was Brideshead Revisited. I think it's the 2008 version. OK, it has Haley Atwell, Michael Gambon, mm-hmm. Emma Thompson and Matthew Good in it. That was like a a movie that they were pushing for like Oscar buzz that year or like it it like had a momentum for like a second. See, and some of my friends have read the movie or read the book and I haven't, Mm -hmm. but I really enjoyed this movie. Hmm. Um, But from talking to my friends about it, it sounded like they kind of cut out things or simplified things, which is like, yeah, it's a movie adaptation. Yeah, yeah, it's an adaptation. Spoilers, that's going to happen. Yeah. (laughs) 
I did find another mini series I haven't watched yet, so I'm wondering if that might be more faithful to the book. But I'll have to watch it. I'd have to imagine so if it's like a, if, if they are able to breathe with their time. So, um, but I've never seen Brian's Head Revisited, but um, it's a it's a title that kind of comes up every so often where I'm like I should give that a give that a watch or a read. Even, so. Right, it's kind of in the vein of um, Room with a View, where mm. you know it's like a British kind of sort of well this one is more dramatic than room with a view mm. but it's another like british property that kind of gets thrown around sometimes but i feel like nobody's ever actually seen it you okay bud um <clears throat> and then um the last two things i'll talk about is i was trying to find the jean cocteau la belle et la bête and i was looking for it on amazon prime and i typed in beauty and the beast and the two things that popped up were the Linda Hamilton, Ron Perlman TV show mm -hmm. and this 2015 Italian miniseries of Beauty and the Beast. Okay. And I like one far more than the other. And that's the TV show. Like the TV show is just, it's melodramatic and cheesy and I love it. And so. it has Ron Perlman in it. It has Ron Perlman in it. Yeah. He's pretty good no matter what you put him in. That is very true. It's almost as if, though, we should give him a third Hellboy movie uh, instead of just trying to recast it and uh, redo it like a bunch of idiots. God damn it, Hollywood. God, he's so he's so consistently good in anything I've seen him in. Oh, yeah. And he has, like, the best voice ever for I any love, kind of acting. I love him in Kronos, uh, Guillermo del Toro's um, mm. directorial debut. He plays, like... He's like the one character, like it's because it's it's bilingual um, as a film, mm. and his character is American, and it, somehow he just like melds in with that world so well, like it's amazing. I loved him as Slade on Teen Titans when I was a kid, and his yeah. voice is just oh, perfection. Mm. And then of course, when he was on the blacklist in season two, they mm -hmm. totally wasted him. Mm. I was so pissed, but yeah. I mean the. And that was like the Super Bowl episode anyway, so it's like, really? You had like all this this chance to be awesome? You had Ron freaking Perlman, and then it was just stupid. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, the Linda Hamilton, Ron Perlman TV shows, yeah, it's it's very cheesy, and it's kind of formulaic, but I really have enjoyed it. Really? They had Tony Jay on <laughs> as like guest star on a couple of episodes. I was like, yes! <laughs> and yeah, um, but then the Italian miniseries I watched is just garbage um the production value is not too bad but it's the writing that really just um basically the beast is like abusive and gaslighting and like a stalker and it's just so, so metaphorically a beast yes yeah he's not actually a beast he's like human but he has like a tiny little like scar over his eye and he wears this like quarter of like a phantom mask and it looks really stupid like wow you have a mask that covers up a quarter of your face how pointless and then when he takes it off and it's he's trying to be all dramatic i'm like honestly you look sexier with the scar i mean how else are you to know he's the bad guy if he doesn't have a scar or a mask i know right so <laughs> i might end up writing an article about why i think that is such garbage because it's it's really bad it's it's very weird to go from this great equal functioning relationship in the TV show to this absolutely atrocious relationship between the beauty and the beast character in the miniseries. So anyway, don't watch the miniseries, but do go watch the TV show. It's on Amazon prime. Um, I finished season one and I'm going to start season two here pretty soon. Awesome. So that's all I've been watching. Brad, what'd you watch this week? 
what did I watch this week? Well, like I said at the top of the show, I've been uh, watching a bunch of Workaholics on Amazon Prime. Nice, um, nice. And the show's funny. Yeah. Um, really, not much else. Yeah. About it. it's not. It's not deep. No, it's <laughs> just a bunch of dudes being stupid. Really. Yeah. Mm. Like yeah, their antics are pretty funny. Yeah. Um, I started watching the 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 new Dark Crystal series mm-hmm. on uh, right. Netflix. Out. Came out yesterday. Me and my wife have to get a new netflix account because ours is being watched by somebody in israel oh so we closed ours <laughs> i'm gonna open up a different one whoops yeah i don't know how yeah. that happened yeah hmm. that's weird so you check your credit card then yeah oh yeah i did um and yeah it's it's production value wise it's amazing like it the it seems like the budget's way more than the 1982 movie um but the story i'm a bit confused like there's a lot going on a lot of the characters look the same and I'm confused exactly what time period it's in. It must be a prequel because Chamberlain is a character in yeah, it. Honestly, I don't remember anything from the movie, so I would be no help to you on I've this. I've never seen it. So at the end of the movie, uh, the Skeksis, and then I forget, it's not the Gelflings, but the other um, creatures, they like merge into like one godlike creature and then like disappear. Oh, that's right. Um, so in the show, the Skeksis are still around, and the oh, Gelflings aren't like almost extinct. So it, it must be a prequel, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's like elements that make it seem like none of that ever happened. Hmm. Which Maybe I, it's like a Halloween situation where it's kind of like a soft reboot. Yeah, or that, or it's kind of like a like alternate version of yeah. the same reality. Yeah, but they also talk about like the different time periods of the world of Thra. So I don't know. Um, and then Mark Hamill is actually uh the voice of the scientist Skeksis. Uh, which is fun to start picking out voices. There's a couple other famous people in there. Um, yeah, it's interesting, but I'm, I'm having a hard time following the story because it doesn't like jump into the, the, the dilemma right away because there's 10 episodes of it, wow. and they're all an hour long. Wow. So there's a lot of ground to cover. but Expensive show. Yeah. Um, it, it looks gorgeous, um, and obviously they can do a lot more puppeteering-wise. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of blends of CGI in it. Which are a little funky, um, but whatever. Um, yeah, and then uh, again, I, I don't remember if I uh, talked about scary stories to tell in the dark. I saw that. I don't remember. Yeah, you think we'd be better at remembering stuff? I know, especially something that's like only like two weeks old. <laughs> yeah, but we're not. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember, but uh, yeah, I saw it, and I, like, I think the thing I most appreciated was the. The time period, like, I actually didn't realize it was the 70s until, like, halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just a bunch of kids, like, you know, like, hipster throwback sure. wear. So I was like, oh, this is in the 60s or 70s. Yeah, it's 68 or 69. Because there's one part where, like, uh, Nixon shows up on the TV, and I'm like, oh, they just wandered into a room that, like, changed into the past. And I was like, <laughs> well, this whole, this whole movie's been in the past, gotcha. Yeah, because not everything has to be steeped in 80s nostalgia, like... Stranger Things. No, it does. Snap. Everything's better steeped in eighties nostalgia. One hundred percent is. Yeah, nothing new is great, um, <laughs> except for Avengers Endgame. Now, that's five years in the future. That's true. <laughs> Technically, that is in the future. Yeah, everything about the MCU is now five years in the future. Always. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but then there's some goofy parts like the, the like corrupt cop just kind of stands there and like acts like an idiot when the yeah. twisted man starts like going after him. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's fun. And then the like the main girl or whatever is like pretty impressive. Yeah. Like yeah. acting wise. Um No, I think it's a fun movie. Yeah, it's it's definitely pretty shocking for its rating, I guess. Yeah, I think it's 
you know, I've been reading some articles. Maybe it's on the Hollywood Reporter. I agree with him. It's a good gateway horror film mm-hmm. where it's there's some like scary elements, but it's not overblown. Yeah. And I think uh, teenage, young teenage kids, twelve, thirteen, it's a good int- entry into more heady stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. S- step yeah. above like stu- super kitty horror. Yeah. Like, Goonies and like Monster Squad. Like it goes above that. Yeah, like visually had some pretty interesting stuff to see, but yeah, the director's great. Yep. Yeah, and Del Toro helped out with it, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, the director is uh, Troll Hunter guy and Autopsy Jane Doe. No, I just helped write the story, and then I helped give them some monsters, and that was it. I'm Guillermo del Toro. Make Hellboy three. I feel like there's something really specific I want to say, but that was like, I don't know, three weeks ago, so it's gone. That Dean Norris is great in anything, even if he's just standing there talking on a phone. Yeah, he's pretty good in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's fine. He, he doesn't <laughs> have a lot to do. He just gets to look sad and that stand around. I think he has like two scenes. Yeah. Um, He'll get more in the sequel. <laughs> and then the last thing I saw was um, Avengers Endgame for the 14th time. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> it's at the, at the dollar theater, so it was $4. Mm-hmm. Um, and the price of that is that, uh, you know... No one gives a shit how they're acting in the theater. Yep. So I'm pretty sure for three straight hours, these uh, teens behind me, I was in the front row and they were way back, but I could hear them Mm. constantly giving their commentary on the movie. And then the most annoying thing is, uh, so I went in, I had my camera on me. um, And then uh, about five minutes into me sitting down, like I had to like defend myself on why I didn't have my camera to the management (laughs) Um, I'm just like, so, do, like, do you not confiscate cell phones? Because everyone else in here has a camera. Mine just looks different. <laughs> yeah. um, That's cameraism. Like, they can all record the movie, too, if they wanted to. I think they're more worried about the fact that you're bringing a bag into the theater. <clears throat> mm, they didn't ask me about my bag, <laughs> um, oddly enough. Uh, but it's, like, hey, so frustrating. Hey, move that... that gun out of the way. Was that a camera? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's just frustrating. Like, I'm just there to take pictures of their cool, like, it was the Elvis Arvada. Mm. So it has, like, this weird, it looks like a spaceship. I'm walking through it. So I'm just, like, taking pictures of the cool LED lights and stuff. And Mm. one person's like, well, don't take any pictures of our logo on our shirts. I'm like, you're fine. Yeah. I don't want those. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just weird in 2019 that people are still bent out of shape. Like, Like, I get if it's, like... Oh, he's sitting there in the theater recording the movie. <laughs> yeah. Actually, the guy taking the tickets is like, did you bring your tripod with you? I'm like, no. <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Manager. Can you tell those teens to shut up? I'm trying to make a living selling bootlegs. That sounds really fun. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> is he talking about that office episode where they crashed in the lake? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so whatever. Yeah. It's like, oh, big scary camera. Yeah. Fuck them. If it was the 80s, like that would be the average looking camera. Well, you got to think sometimes when people have are able to say something, they will. Like, yeah. Even that, like the the security guard there cared less about it than the management. <laughs> She's like, this guy's fine. He's, yeah. yeah. Just taking pictures of your crazy architecture. I haven't been to that one in a long time. I saw Terminator 2 there. Hmm. Wow. And I remember because my aunt dropped us off. She was seeing some other like kid movie with my young cousin and so she got us tickets to see terminator my brothers and my cousin and we got there so early so we walked in and we said oh our mom's already in there and then he said no she's not and i 
I'm like, nope. So my older brother put his jacket underneath him so he'd sit taller. <laughs> like, Dude, just go watch the movie. Driving thing, and then I want, I want to, and then I wanted to take me up. Okay. Oh, that is crazy. Okay. Yeah. And also, this one dude's phone kept like getting text messages, and you could hear it. So it's like, yeah, maybe you guys should spend more time policing <laughs> cell phones in the movie than like, my dude, camera. I make nine bucks an hour. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like you run a. Four dollar theater, like <laughs> they sell video games in the lobby. Mm, no, yeah. did, did I mean I haven't been to? there in twenty six years. Or when did Terminator Two come out? Ninety one. Yeah, so twenty eight years. <laughs> they sold NES and Super NES games in the in that theater. No, that was they had uh, arcade stands. Oh yeah, I think they had like a Neo Geo there. Mm. Yeah, well I guess yeah they've also got like the motorbike arcade stuff, mm. you know. You no, know, there's like a full blown one. I remember because they had Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter and stuff. Yeah, that's I think awesome. it was behind the Yeah. Anyway, Good old days. That's what I watched. Zach, uh, not just a, whole a lot. couple things. Yeah, just a couple things. Um, I didn't get to talk about it last week, but I saw The Grinch, um, the Illumination film from last uh, year. Scott Mosier's The Grinch. Yeah, it's Scott Mosier's The Grinch. Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. Um, it's not bad. No. Um. I didn't love it. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on that I'm not a huge fan of when it comes to Illumination. Like, I, I don't like them taking cues from DreamWorks, um, the DreamWorks book, where they just throw in a lot of pop culture references and stick in modern music. I mean, like th- their version of the Grinch song is fine, but it's it's a little weird. But I'm I'm used to a certain type of Grinch. I, cartoon, I, I think so. the story about the the little girl and stuff is really good. That's though. see, that's the thing that's amazing about the film is that it manages to, to find a way to expand the Grinch story in a reasonable way. That isn't mm-hmm. the Jim Carrey version. No, that movie's um, awful. Yeah, no, it's, it's Ron Howard's worst movie. Um, or I think, um, but Pretty safe. I, I think, Cumber- yeah, I mean, I haven't thought of Ron Howard's filmography in a while, uh, but Cumberbatch is great as the Grinch. Um, I like the way they kind of flow in and out of that story. And I like the story of um, Cindy Lou, who, as Ryan was mentioning, like her side story, it's kind of trying to find somebody to help her. Remember mom. in Avengers Endgame where Benedict Cumberbatch is Doctor Strange does the one and you're all like, oh, yeah. Oh, wait. Now we're talking about the Grinch. I forgot during their Avengers. I was going to say, like, you know, I don't care about the Academy Awards, but if they're giving them out this year, what they need to go to um, fucking Robert Downey Jr. Because, um, wow. Like, his clip for his Oscar thing should be when he's... Yelling tell- at Steve Rogers? Yeah, telling Fucking Steve A's. Rogers, like, he just, you know, trusted him and everything. Yeah. Where were you? But I know, though, actually, if they did, they'd probably pull something from when he t- he's talking to his dad, because, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, it's... It's one of the better Illumination movies I've seen in a while. Like, I don't mind Despicable Me and Minions. Like, they're whatever. You but know, I actually read an article that, uh, on the, the Hollywood Reporter. They were talking about why Secret Life of Pets 2 and Men in Black International failed. Is it franchise fatigue? Yeah, you were talking about a little bit about and this last I, week. I don't, I don't think so because it, the, the problem with The Secret Life of Pets is it's just not a good movie. So if you – a lot of people saw the first movie yeah. and then you go see it, then – yeah. It, I mean, like, Who cares? I, I, I said it before, but I watched the first 25 minutes of the first Secret Life of Pets and I shut it off. Yeah, it's garbage. And I like the writer of that film, so it was kind of a shame. But Ron um, Howard directed The Dilemma? Yeah, he did. Wow. That's actually not terrible. Like, Channing Tatum's great in it. Um, uh, 
Kevin James is whatever. Uh, I rewatched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, still a good movie. Still fucking rocks. Um, uh, only frustrating part was that uh, I was at the Alamo Littleton and I put in my order 20 minutes before the movie started. So like, like as they were starting to seat and these three annoying douchebags sat next to me we're talking up a storm. We're commenting throughout the movie and they got their food before me. And so I, I flagged a guy down and I said like, look, man, like I don't appreciate not getting my food before these guys on top of them talking up a storm. So get out. <laughs> um, so, but they, Too bad we can't stay, <laughs> but, uh, but he rectified the situation immediately. They comp my food and, um, it was it was good overall. Did you not flag the waiter down for the dudes talking? No, because they stopped at a certain point. But what was really peeving me off was just like you know, like I put in my order, I, I write a nice note for them, mm-hmm. and to to have my food not get delivered before them like was kind of weird. Because mm. like I didn't ask for anything major, but like they got all their like beer and drinks and stuff like that. So it just it's peeved me off a little bit, but. Um, I tend not to flag people down for talking unless it's like absolutely the worst. Fuck them. Um, uh, but You're not ruining my Alamo experience. But yeah, no, it's just me. Um, I um, uh, just, I just be an asshole like me, Zach. And you guys have like the worst movie experiences between Brad. Seems like Brad's always so complaining yeah, about so something. Yeah, so we we, ju- we just find more ways to to complain. Um, I watched some Hitchcock films that weren't related to our um, film this week. I watched Sabotage from 1936. It's an amazing film. has uh, a big contribution by Walt Disney for one of the best scenes in the movie, which is um, uh, Sylvia Sidney's character crying and kind of like processing the death of her little brother to the cartoon uh, Who, Killed Co- uh, Who Killed Cock Robin. Um, and, uh, it, it's a, it's a good film and Hitchcock usually complained in interviews that he made the mistake of killing a kid with the bomb, uh, w- with a bomb going off. And because prior to that death, he had built up the suspense of the bomb and when is it going to go off? And he always said down the line, like, you should never have the bomb go off. You should set it up. You should draw the suspense, but you ne- should never mm-hmm. have the bomb go off. Um, I don't necessarily agree with him, but I don't disagree either. I think it's there's a momentum that's lost in the third act after that moment happens, but it's not enough to disturb mm. the impact of the picture. Um, and then I rewatched Saboteur, which is uh, uh, from 1942. They started production on this film uh, within like the span of before the war and after the war starting. Uh, as they were in pre-production and doing storyboards, some guy ran in and yelled, <laughs> Pearl Harbor just got attacked. Um, but if you've never seen Tapatur, it's uh, about a guy who works at an aircraft factory. Uh, there's a fire set. Uh, uh, <clears throat> um, he gets blamed for the fire because he handed a, a fire extinguisher that ended up being filled with gasoline to his friend who got killed. Uh, so he goes on the run trying to clear his name. Uh, and along the way, he uh, meets Priscilla Lane, and uh, they kind of travail throughout until they, you know, reach a climax where uh, it turns out that a lot of rich people are involved in uh, trying to bring down America. Um, and uh, it it's pretty interesting how the big the big ballroom sequence in Saboteur is probably one of the scariest things I've seen Hitchcock do. That's not horror related. Because they're basically trapped. It's 
similar to Ready or Not, like they're trapped in this house full of these elite people who are kind of like, there's no way out for him to get out. And every time you think he has an out, he doesn't. Um, and it's shot really well and executed really well. Um, and, uh, of course, the Statue of Liberty sequence where the guy falls off, uh, it's still pretty amazing. I like that there's no music underneath it because uh, it just kind of plays up the suspense a lot more. Um, do, do, do you know where the word sabotage comes from? Sabotage. The Dutch workers rebelling against their yeah. employers would throw their wooden shoes yeah. into the machinery. Sabo. Called Sabo, hence yeah. the word sabotage. Yeah. That's a Star Trek Six reference, guys. Yes, <laughs> I was like, "Wow, Brad knows history." I'm going, "Uh huh." Oh yeah, Kim Cattrall. Uh-huh. Star Trek yeah. will make you really smart, guys. Uh-huh. Yes, it will. <laughs> I know a lot about flutes thanks to that show. Um, I watched a film that I've been looking for for a while called Charlie McCarthy Detective, um, and it's from 1938. Um, Ryan, you know of Charlie McCarthy because of Fun and Fancy Free, and I'm sure you just yeah. know him in general. So this is a movie that was made by Universal to capitalize on that success, and it's pretty awful. <laughs> it's pretty garbage. This, the basic story is that Charlie McCarthy and Edgar Bergen are caught up in a murder plot involving gangsters, corrupt newspaper men, and uh, South American uh, prisoners, uh, there's weird step and fetch it stereotype characters in the movie. And the only thing that saves it are certain comedy bits with Charlie McCarthy. And, uh, it's pretty, it's one of the worst things I've ever seen from that era. Um, and it sucks because there's better Edgar Berg and Charlie McCarthy movies. Like the thing I will say about the film and why I couldn't like give it half a star is because at the end of the day, it's very, uh, amazing how Edgar Bergen was able to make you believe Charlie McCarthy was a living, breathing thing so much so that if you really watch Edgar Bergen, like he's moving his lips a lot, but it doesn't matter because that character's so well developed that it just works. Uh, that's why if you watch fun and fancy free or you can't cheat it on his man or letter of introduction, it works. Charlie McCarthy is a living, breathing character just because of the personality that's put into it. So McCarthyism but yeah. does suck. <laughs> but yeah, I would not recommend Charlie McCarthy Detective. Watch any of those other films I mentioned for um, for that particular uh, situation. And then the last thing I saw this week <laughs> it was... reminds me of my uh, personal trainer. He's like, this is the last thing I watched. And then there's always like one more. Every time I work out, he's like, all right, this is the last set. And I'm going, I'm going, like, okay, we're going to do one more exercise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I am the... Well, I do do fitness cinema, so... Uh-huh. Um, the last thing I saw um, is one of the best movies I've seen this year. It's called Be Natural, The Untold Story of Alice Guy Blaché. Uh, it's the story of the first female filmmaker and one of the first filmmakers who innovated. Um, Boring. Hey. Yeah, who innovated. Let the man speak. Who innovated different storytelling techniques that we still utilize today. Uh, she was scrubbed from history by both the production company that she worked for. Well, she wanted to take off three days, days a month. Come on. Um, yeah, I got that. Um, but it's, it's a very, it's a very spellbinding documentary because of her story and how much she got fucked in the realm of 
film history. Um, oh, wow, you really emphasize that fuck. <laughs> yeah, because she got fucked. She got fucked. <laughs> she really got in more fucked. ways than one. <laughs> no, no, no. She got fucked from a historical sense. Okay. She uh-huh. she did not she her, she did not get her proper due. She spent the last twenty years of her life trying to. The studio really ran a train on her. Uh, trying to uh, get her name in history placed mm-hmm. among the greats, and even after she died. She still, people were still doubting her, even though there's evidence to back it up, and just it's 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 amazing how this was able to go on. But it's it it shines a light on a person that up till now has kind of been a footnote in some for some filmmakers like Kino Lober, uh, Lorber. Oh, there you go. Kino Lorber put out a box set of pioneers of African-American cinema and pioneers of women filmmakers. And the women's filmmakers has Alice Guy Blaché's films in there. Uh, the documentary is very well uh, executed. It also tries to track down her last remaining relatives. And from there, they actually uh, reconnect a lot of her history to tell her story. And the film's also about film restoration and how important that fucking is. So uh, it is a pretty wonderful film. Uh, you can check it out on Amazon prime now and, um, I believe it's on DVD. I don't see a Blu-ray available for it, but uh, yeah, it's really amazing. It's one of the best things I've seen this year. So that's all I watched this week. Behind every man is a woman not getting credit for her work. Yep, which is why it's very important too. Yep, there's awesome. a reason why I'm a police officer because my wife supported me through the whole thing. Mm. Well, and then Zach and I, whenever we recorded the Shamley silhouette for the lady vanishes you were talking about his wife and how she was as much a part of the alfred hitchcock kind of experience as he was this is not my quote but the hitchcock touch had four hands and two of them were almas yeah alma i couldn't remember alma rebel um geez it's it's incredible how much she had to contribute to his legacy anyway sorry uh ryan uh i just watched a few things i watched a couple things this week uh, I watched two Cary Grant films. I watched The Gambling Ship. Um, I love that. I, I, I that's like, I I want to know about this one above anything else because I've heard the term The Gambling Ship in other radio shows. So in it, Cary Grant is a no good crook, and he's fixing to go straight. So he moves out to um, San Francisco, but on the way there, he rides on the train and falls in love with this lady who's mixed up with the mob, mm-hmm. and the mobster is running the ship that is a gambling ship, ah. and he can't pay his. Um, Losses, mm. so he he welches on some of his stuff, and so the other mob family that runs the other ship come after him. And in the meantime, Cary Grant's out there just trying to get his life straight, and he ends up so he ends up taking over the ship for the guy, and uh, just being a tough guy. Mm. Um, it's a different role for Cary Grant because usually he doesn't play tough guys too often. I'd say maybe one in every ten, eleven. Also films. Sounds like a scoundrel. He well, is well, like not the same kind of scoundrel. No, he's play, not. A, he's not a very good guy in it. No. Um, Stevie, that's yeah, the word. <laughs> but he wants to go straight, and um, then chaos ensues between the warring mobsters. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean it's a it's an entertaining movie. A little uh, melodramatic, but fun. Yeah, yeah, mm. melodramatic. Okay. I mean, not as much as the next one, which is uh, Wings in the Dark, which Cary Grant is a pilot. I always like him as a pilot. He's a pilot <laughs> in a few um, movies. He looks like he could fly a plane he real does. good. <laughs> uh, it's, I'd trust um, him. Uh, what's the lady's name in Blanding's uh, Dream House? Uh, oh. My, my, Myra Noy, Loy? Myrna Loy. Myrna Loy. Myrna Loy. Uh, so she's in it, and she's this really great uh, female pilot. Mm-hmm. And... 
Uh, wait, it, wait, wait. A female yeah, pilot? Interesting is they talk about how she can't get a fair shake because they won't let females fly in the war. They won't let them deliver the mail. So it's really interesting. Fucking men. Um, <laughs> and here's Cary Grant. He's a hotshot pilot and he does what he wants. And yeah. Then he's offered $25,000 to fly from uh, New York to Moscow. And uh, so he, this is, I think, five or six years after Lindbergh. So he um, he's going to, and then he's really mean to the female pilot. And he, then he says, then he apologizes to her. He's like, let's get some coffee. And he goes to light the oven mm. and the fire burns him in his eyes and he can't see. <gasps> so now he's blind. Oh. Um, and uh, the being a pilot meant everything to him. So now that he can't see, uh, you know, he's depressed. And um, Does he have to wear a blindfold over his no, eyes like in no. the Matrix Revolutions? <laughs> no. Um, and so uh, the female pilot, I can't remember the character's names. Um, she kind of takes him in and, of course, they, they fall in love. And she and he it's actually kind of interesting um, movie because of how things in aviation are now. Mm -hmm. So she uh, lies to him and says that the stories he's writing are going to be published. Mm -hmm. So she takes more jobs so she can raise this two hundred dollars that he got paid for his stories. Right. And he takes that money and he um, parlays it into developing an automated pilot flying system Ah. through sounds and pings, which they do now. Um, I mean, it's through computers, but it's basically the same thing. Right. Um, and so she takes the, uh, flight from New York to Moscow Mm -hmm. or Moscow to New York. And, um, while, uh, (laughs) while she's doing that, uh, on her way back, there's lots of fog and she can't land. Mm -hmm. So Cary Grant decides to fly blind, literally Mm -hmm. flies up there to just find it, buddy. I don't know. He's watching of mice and men. Yeah. Um, (laughs) and uh, so he flies his plane up there, and he's going to take her back down because mm-hmm. um, she can't land. And he says, "Just you know, follow me." Right. And she says, "Well, when we get down there, uh, I can't. What, whatever." And he says, "No, I'm going to land the plane as soon as I get down. I'm going to fly back up and fly until the plane runs out of gas, and I'm just going to die. Basically, he's going to commit suicide." Yeah, he'll arrive in Valhalla. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when he lands, she actually uh, runs her plane into his, causing it to crash, and. Um, and they both survive. And uh, at the end, they're all because she did, you know, that flight and it's the furthest flight ever. And they're riding in a car and the flash bulbs are going off. And mm-hmm. the last line is, I can see I can see the light. So he his blindness was cured by flashing bulbs. Oh, <laughs> that's like there, there are a lot of these movies in the golden age of Hollywood have the Hollywood ending. Oh, yeah. Um, and the movie's still pretty good. Um, yeah. I always try to tell people don't. Don't complain too much about the endings or the movies we get today because we'll show you 15 films that are way yeah, cheesier. Where, and, and, you know, the thing, too, about this golden age of Hollywood <laughs> is endings feel really rushed. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because they, they wrap up the third act pretty. Yeah, because it seems like they have a climax in oh, five minutes and it's over because a lot of these films are an hour and ten minutes long. Yeah. So it's, let's get to the end. It, the pacing's kind of off on some of the shorter ones. Like, unless they're, like, 80 minutes, like, if yeah. anything shorter than that, like... I love Invisible Man, but Invisible Man has that kind of near the end too, because yeah. uh, it's it's a little it's a little sped up. Um, but yeah, no, like not like the movie we're going to review for the main show. Like that yeah. that that climax is well calculated. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're so wrong. You're wrong. Anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I, you know, I really like Cary Grant as a pilot. Whether it's that one, I mean, the movie is really melodramatic, but it's still pretty good. Yeah. Um, Only Angels Have Wings is a great film. Oh yeah. Um, and okay. then Our the Hawks. Eagle and the Hawk is. 
amazing. Mm, um, that's the one I want to watch because I've seen only, only Angels Have Wings. So yeah, so he's he's always really good as a pilot. Um, and the last thing I watched is I saw a Robert Downey Jr. movie I have never seen before. Oh. Um, Mill 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 Crook. Um, Wait, your 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 crusade like years ago of seeing all those movies was a fraud. You I didn't try- get them all. I tried to get them all. Um, some of his movies are a little harder to find. <laughs> <laughs> I think you disclaimed that though. Yeah, like, there were certain. I always my do. world is falling apart. <laughs> so, anyways, in uh, 1989, Robert Downey Jr. co-stars with uh, James Woods as mm. I know. It's, it gets even funnier <laughs> in a movie called True Believer, and in it, Stanley's not in it. <laughs> in it, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, you think this is like 30 years old? I mean, this dude has been around for so long. Um, anyway, so he's this new hotshot. Lawyer, he's going to work for I can't I can't remember characters' names right now. I'm I'm really tired. But James Woods is this left wing activist lawyer. Wow, <laughs> what with a ponytail, <laughs> and he only takes on like drug people that he thinks that they shouldn't go to jail for like a little weed. I'm like, wow, he's really stretching it here because this is because this is he, not him at all. Who he is now? <laughs> he's just acting through his teeth. Like, <laughs> yeah, because who he is now is nowhere near who he is in this character. This is bizarre. As this character, yeah. Um. Anyways, they take on this case of this um, Asian man who is accused of uh, murdering or assassinating someone in the middle of uh, Chinatown. And then he also kills a white supremacist in uh, prison. So he's Yeah, this is very off character for James yeah. Woods. <laughs> so, I'm going to tell you which kind of pet thrillers I want to watch. Okay. Rats and snakes and the rat Okay, well, you find it, buddy. I'm doing my podcast right now. Okay? I think Kellen just said the name of the last white well, zombie he, song. No, he, he, he likes to watch YouTube stuff where it's like animals crawling through. Um, there you go, buddy. There you like, go. So he, like hamsters, like crawling through Lego sets. Um, <laughs> That's actually pretty fun. I'd watch yeah. those too. So anyways, uh, so James Woods doesn't do that kind of stuff anymore, like helping out people that need help a lot. Now he just does the drug cases. And they... They do this montage of Robert Downey Jr. looking at all the newspaper clippings where he's fighting for like poor people and go, wow, this is really surreal. Like watching this, yeah. Right now. Um, and I mean, James Woods is good in it. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. is good in it. The movie is good. It's not great. Um, it's a, it's a courtroom drama that came out the same year as A Few Good Men, and A Few Good Men is about thirty thousand times better. Wait, A Few Good Men came out in right? No, no, A Few Good Men came out in the nineties. Is he sure? Fairly sure, yeah. Like, I think it's like ninety two. Uh, maybe you're right. But anyways, it's in that. I guess it's in that era of they have a lot of courtroom dramas. Ninety two, yeah. Um, and yeah, a few good men is way better. It's a legal thriller. Yeah, like a firm or. A, yeah, I mean, or it's a... better than Legal Eagles, um, but um, <laughs> it's not a bar that's too hard to get over. <laughs> I mean, Robert Redford's in Legal Eagles. Yeah, and there's a Rod Stewart song in it. Um, how old is Robert Downey Jr.? Fifty four. Fifty four. Yeah. I was trying to think, like, is he playing f- 10 years younger as Tony Stark? Because... I don't think so. Because in the movie, they say he's, like, born around 1970, because that, mm-hmm. uh, that whole uh, sequence. Um, yeah, because in an in, in, in endgame, he'd be, like, 53. But yeah. Danny Jr. was on Saturday Night Live in the 80s, so yeah. he would have been, like, 12. Yeah, no, he was born in 60-something. Yeah, he was. I think he was the yeah. youngest cast member ever on Saturday Night Live, if I remember right. So he's playing, like, 10 years younger as... Tony Stark. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then by the time they get to Endgame, he's his normal age, I guess. Since it's in the future. Yeah. Yeah, they tack on five so years. So yeah, the yeah. movie's all right. He's born in 65. 65. Yeah, so yeah 54. I'm right. Uh, but yeah, it's good. 
I mean, he did not assassinate the guy. And there's corruption all around, and they solve it. I mean, it it, it, it sounds amazing, and you know, it's 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 solidified why James Woods is one of the most highest paid and most respected <laughs> actors of all. Oh, wait a minute. So, who is the true believer? <laughs> uh, well, so the true believer is Stanley. Uh, None of them. It's me. Is Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> believing that there's good in James Woods' heart? So you're saying the movie's a lie. <laughs> yep. And he has a ponytail too, James Woods. It's really weird. But, I mean, he's a good actor. Yeah. He's an asshole, but he's a good actor. <laughs> yeah. He's great in vampires. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He's great as Hades. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's great as Hades. He's yeah. one of, actually one of my favorite Disney villains. Um, I wonder if he get cast in a, in a Disney villain nowadays. <laughs> I wonder if his personal life is <laughs> impeding a little bit on that. He's a great scumbag in Casino. Yeah. Apparently, Hades is like his favorite role, so he'll play him like anytime, anywhere. He was on like the House of Mouse, House of Villains thing. Oh yeah, you know I even liked his. Uh, I, I think his best delivery in that is after he tries to throw Hercules in whatever the pit thing, and Hercules like walks up and punches him in his face. Like, yeah, I deserve that. <laughs> I think he's responsible for one of the few times on a Simpsons episode where they had to bleep a line because he's. He's studying for a role as a convenience store clerk, so he works in the Quickie Mart, and he's trying to get the cheese off of the microwave. He's like, stupid cheese! (laughs) (laughs) Yep, James Woods. This week on Real Nerds Podcast, we went back in time to 1959 to see that Alfred Hitchcock's latest thriller starring Hollywood's favorite comedian, Cary Grant, in North by Northwest. Corinne, people see North by Northwest? Um, yeah. Perfect. (laughs) Brad, first experience with the Alfred Hitchcock film, first Cary Grant film? Mm, probably, yeah. Uh, should people see Alfred Hitchcock's North by Northwest starring Cary Grant? Did we miss a segment? Because it's only like an hour and 20 in the show and there's four of us here. No. <laughs> no. no. You've just been really everything. quick and efficient today. Well, there's, there's no catching the classics because I'm here. So. Oh, so we saved 20 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh yeah, North by Northwest. It's a fine movie. <laughs> oh, you fucker! <laughs> yeah. Right. How is it you've seen Avengers Endgame fourteen times I've and you've never seen? <laughs> you've never seen an Alfred All the special Hitchcock effects movie hold up until now. <laughs> <laughs> people are like acting like normal people would. Dude, did you see that? Uh, There's interesting shots. Miss <laughs> Marvel's hair was CGI. Huh? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, that's amazing. It's amazing. Anyways, the most mundane things in yeah. those Avengers movies are CGI. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Zach, I mean, I'm super biased at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, this is uh, this is one of the most fun, adventurous, and this and like pure escapist at its best entertainments that you'll ever see in in film history. It's it's amazing. We'll we'll chat more about it after the trailer. Ryan, should we see a movie that stars Sexy McSexerson? McSexterton? McSexterton, yes. Um, yeah, no, this is my I, my favorite Grant film is always The Awful Truth, but this is really close. This is like um, It's like the ultimate Cary Grant This movie. is the ultimate. If you want to know who Cary Grant is, mm-hmm. North by Northwest encapsulates who he is yeah, and for two hours. And it's one of the ultimate hitch pictures it, yep. from a certain angle, because we'll talk about that, but... Here's the trailer for North by Northwest.
advertising man, not a red herring. I've got a job, a secretary, a mother, two ex-wives, and several bartenders dependent upon me. And I don't intend to disappoint them all by getting myself slightly killed. Cary Grant becomes a secret agent against his will. Propelled at gunpoint onto the highest level of international intrigue and framed for murder. Cary Grant, running for his life, searching for a man who doesn't exist and a secret nobody knows and finding a blonde who has all the answers. Hello there. Tell me, why are you so good to me? Shall I climb up and tell you why? At breakneck speed, they race together toward the excitement that lies dead ahead, north by northwest. How do I know you aren't a murderer? You don't. Cary Grant, Eva Marie Saint, and James Mason as the man of sinister surprises. Apparently, the only performance that will satisfy you is when I play dead. In your very next role, you'll be quite convincing, I assure you. The perfect setup for suspense. With the perfect woman and the perfect crime, as Alfred Hitchcock takes you north by northwest. put in my phone number to win that really cool poster that they had out there but if it's that one it's not really that cool because i can see um like the pixelated circle and like they didn't render it enough when they printed it but nah, i'm pretty sure that's just the, a picture of what you're gonna see i hope so, it is because yeah. i want to win that yeah no in uh, north by northwest Cary grant plays a ad executive named roger thornhill roger o thornhill and the o stands, o stands for, for nothing. nothing nothing just like david o selznick because that amphetamine fuck anyway Yes, ad executive, and he uh, kind of a mama's boy. Yeah, he goes to a dinner. His mom is only like seven years older than him. (laughs) (laughs) The Uh, actresses. Yep, yep. He goes to a dinner and he's mistaken for a guy named Kaplan, um, who is a spy for the CIA or some government agency. Uh, Everything. Yeah, they're clearly ambiguous about the agency. (laughs) Uh, And he's kidnapped. Mm-hmm. And he goes on an adventure to clear his name. In the meantime, he's also accused of assassinating a UN guy. And uh, which, I by love... the way, the photo of him yeah. taken for the for the paper. If there is ever a more hilarious way to get caught stabbing a person, I think <laughs> that's pretty much it. You know, I know this movie works well too, is because my wife laughed in it. Oh yeah, and my wife isn't. She'll tell you straight up, she hates comedies. She's not a big comedy person. Um, my wife likes really depressing stuff. I go, man, can we just watch something where someone isn't dying of AIDS or something? That'd be <laughs> awesome. And uh, But she was laughing, and she had fun with it, and she thinks Cary Grant's really handsome, so I think that helps her. Because with, there's a scene in it when he's in the hospital, and he doesn't, he's not wearing a shirt. Oh, my gosh, that scene. I, <laughs> see, and, and my wife said, he's in his 50s? I said, yeah. Yeah, and late 50s, I think. And, then, like, and I said, the, stop. The professor guy like stop. walks in, and I was like, oh, it's about to be a different movie up in here. Oh, wait, no, they're not going to do anything. Yeah. It's, it. It. Well, it's, stop. It, it's, it's not just like laying stop. on the bed like, all, like with the towel around his waist, and yeah. it's like, mm. it's 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 not like, I mean, it's super funny, but it's like because it's strictly supposed to be more of a spy, adventure, thriller-ish type of film, like, it's able to weave in its comedy really well. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, that, and it's one of the few Grant films that he chases 
the female. Yeah. You know, he, yeah, they, we, they, they usually chase him. Yeah, we talked about this on yeah. a little side podcast I do. Yeah. I'm not going to mention the name gonna, of it. <laughs> but if you want to hear the best episode, it's the first one. Yeah, the, 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 pilot, the pilot who tried to gun down Thorhill. <laughs> yes. Um, but no, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. I, I think that it's amazing that this film still works with the crowd the way it does. And it was one of the most thrilling experiences I've ever had in a movie theater was watching that film, not just with my friends, but also just like a sea of people reacting to it almost as much as I imagine they were reacting to it back in the day. There are certain things... Well, all things... those people were from back in the day. We're the youngest <laughs> well, people there. yeah, that's true. Um, but it, it, it was just, it was pretty invigorating to watch that. And um, what I find amazing is like how much of it, like, you know, Brad made a sly comment about visual effects that hold up. I think on that big screen they work just fine. Like that, 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 that climax. A lot of it's practical. Yeah, the climax on. Yeah, so he's not driving his car in front of a movie screen. <laughs> you know, that's, that's drunk driving. That's that's, that's there is that's there's a, a great joke in that. Um, so when he's picked up by the police officers, um, and the one guy's driving, the one actor doesn't react to the car turning. So if you watch, Cary Grant totally slams into him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Trying to get him to act. Say, uh, you're supposed to, you know, act. And, and that rear projection uh, move is something that is a is a bigger trademark mark of Hitchcock than even other filmmakers of the era because he uses it in a very specific way to kind of distort the background and give the foreground a little bit more life. Brad, what did you think? Your first experience? Yeah. You tell me. I, it was a fine movie. I thought Cary Grant's delivery of like some of like his sarcasm to uh, like the villains a lot of the times was, was really good. Um, the mystery was interesting for a while, but then by the end, it was more of a like a romantic story. And mm. I kind of started to lose interest. Um, and then it feels like the end, you know, it, the end felt rushed. Like, you know, like in one minute, she's dangling off the edge of the, and then it like cuts back to the train and it's like, oh, this movie's over. Yeah. Thank you. It, it's almost as very if very light that, resolution. It's almost as if though that's an amazing edit that only one director could ever pull <laughs> off ever in oh, history. Oh, whatever. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> People have done that plenty There's of times. No not, not as good as in him. This movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just ends so abruptly. You don't feel like you get any closure with these characters. No, I did. Martin Landau falls and dies. James Mason was seen having been arrested. And all I need to know is that Eva Marie Saint is safe and that they're on a train that's going to go into a tunnel. I did like your audible uh, eye roll when uh, Eve comes out and says, what was that noise? <laughs> and she didn't recognize it as a gun. Oh you could hear Corinne probably through the whole thing. She's like, oh, <laughs> that was pretty dumb. Like, um, like really, it's not like a she's giant a space. And she doesn't understand. She didn't she hear works what for a the gunshot whatever was. Secret governments. Like she's been trained to know what a gunshot yeah, sounds no, that's like. Pretty well, silly. I don't know if she has been trained because they talk about how they recruited her. Yeah. She, she was married so to Mason's character prior to being. Think, in, are they married? I didn't think they were. Married. She was, but she, she was, works for a criminal. Mistress. I'm sure he's shot a few guns. Yeah. yeah. But she, no, but she's with Mason prior to them right. hiring her. Right. That's why they ask her to spy for them. Uh, my favorite laugh in the film that had to do with a mistake is one of my favorite mistakes is uh they're the about kid. to yeah. he's about to be shot uh or like he's about to be shot and you can see a boy in the background already plugging his ears like at least good 5 to 6 beats before that gun goes off and Yeah, it's oh. It's a weird cut that's still in there, but it doesn't like distract necessarily no, unless no. you're aware of it. Like if you already know it's going to be there, that's why you laugh. Right. 
Also, um, like this whole movie, like why did the villains even like instigate this whole thing? If, it seems like if they hadn't tried to go after Kaplan, who doesn't exist, like, like why were they trying to abduct him and k- kill him? Like, and they also played off as a game, like. Well, because the, the the agency the, created this like figment, like this fake guy who's always like around. Yeah, it's a shadow to. They're sh- trying to see what he knows about their organization. Yeah, and they're trying to hide the fact that. Even Marie Saint is the actual yeah. agent in in it embedded like it's they, a it's red a, herring. It's a, yeah, it's a distraction. And um, someone say MacGuffin. Misdirect. Mm, <laughs> no, MacGuffin is something is that's micro. Yeah, thing. it's not really important. No, government secrets yeah. is the MacGuffin. I yeah. mean, the microfilm is a MacGuffin, mm. but government secrets. He says it in that. It's one of my favorite deliveries of like explaining what the MacGuffin is. Is the guy just going like government secrets, whatever. I don't, <laughs> don't know. <laughs> And also, like, the famous biplane sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, Looks really good on a big screen, I know. <laughs> um, it just felt like it's, like they needed to add some kind of, like, make the picture bigger. So they added this plane sequence, but it really, I don't know what, what it serves for the story. It doesn't really? Yeah. Um, it's more of, um, it's, a, it's, it's a just mo- an iconic I mean, I, I it try- wasn't when they made it though. Like they didn't know it was going to be iconic. So no, yeah, it's more it's a- of. I think they're trying to. Uh, yeah, suspense. it just yeah, felt like they added production value to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so. at that point, I'd, had they revealed that Cap? No, they had revealed that Kaplan was fake, right? Yeah, but yeah. Th- to that the was, audience, yes. that was more of I think for the audience to be like, oh, Eve is part of the shadowy figures and they she sent him there to die. It's that, and it's a set piece. Um, the 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 the, the, the the writing of this script and the execution of this film is Ernest Lehman saying, I want to make the ultimate Hitchcock movie. And what do you have in a Hitchcock movie? A very big set piece. It does seem weird, though. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, in yeah the just ca- weird growing up. I, like, I always felt like it was more important. And now that I see in the context of the movie, it, it isn't uh, than it's flashy. Yeah, I, I always but, think of Peter Griffin. Does. Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> Now, oh, yeah. yeah. It's like we have your wife come get her. Also, don't miss Bird on a Wire on Tuesday on TBS. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but, you know, I do love the shot of um, the biplane turning because I think it's framed so well mm-hmm. of uh, it turning left and then Cary Grant looking back and holding that and then running. Um, um, the only edit I giggle at with that scene to this day is when he gets hit by the truck. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> it's just like a beat and then cut and then he's under the truck. Fun fact, um, the truck, it ha- I forget the company name, but the company name is um, the one that his son-in-law worked for. Hmm. Alfred Hitchcock's hmm. son-in-law worked for that company. Oh, the truck yeah, yeah, gets yeah, yeah. destroyed. Easter so. egg. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, he's the original pa- Stan Patricia, too. Patricia, can you get one of your husband's trucks here uh-huh. today? Don't ask me why I'm in a cornfield. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but like it is... If if you're going off of that that aspect that it is just the ultimate Hitchcock movie, it's just going to have those set pieces. It's going to have that flash and flare. Um, I mean, like the Mount Rushmore sequence, I think lo- still looks great. Oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a great film. It's wonderful. And I, Martin Lando is great when he's not Bela Lugosi too. Well, yeah, he I can mean, be great no matter what. That's a great. T- I think it's a great setup when um, Carrie's holding up, you know, uh, the damsel in distress. And he asks for help, and Lando plays it so well. Do you think he's going to walk over and help? And he just steps on his hand. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. But I yeah. mean, Cary Grant's so strong. He literally held on and then pulled her up as hard as he could into a train. Yeah. So and then that train went into a tunnel, and then we all giggled like schoolboys and girls. 
and then the movie ended an MGM production. <laughs> um, yeah, no, and uh, Jesse Royce Landis as his mom. Uh, it, she's she is an element of two Hitchcock films with Cary Grant that I think is severely underlooked and undervalued. Uh, she's the uh, mother of Grace Kelly in To Catch a Thief, and easily one of the funniest parts of the film. Uh, and in this one, she has that great moment in the elevator where she just turns to the two guys you're and goes, not you're not kill really killing my son, son, are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and how she's so easily bribed by Grant, where he's just like, I'll give you 10 bucks. You really don't think of me much, 50, and then she just he just kind of holds the bill Dude, for him. Dude, 10 bucks is like $100 back then. Yeah. yeah right. So if she's getting 50, because that's what she finally accepts, she's rolling in some dough. She's got to buy a new mink stole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and uh, Cary Grant drunk. Still one of the funniest oh, yeah. things in cinema history. <laughs> he just like lays down on the table. Yeah. <laughs> no one would ever do that when they're drunk. <laughs> yeah, who would do that? I was curious how you, I was cu- I was curious you being a cop watching that scene how you feel, but Well, I mean it's way different now. Yeah, but, yeah, but still funny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean he'd oh. be you just be pay to... the two dollars, like two dollars for a DOI in nineteen sixty. No, no, no. It's a reference to another movie or another like comedy sketch of the time. What? Yeah, that's it's reference. It wasn't actually two dollars that the fine. It was like a reference to some other comedy sketch where they get arrested for something else, and they're like, "Just pay the two dollars." I don't know. Don't think so. I read it, so <laughs> that must be true. Yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, no, it's yeah, it's fun. I love how this like it all came from. Alfred Hitchcock talking to the screenwriter, and he's like, I want a movie that's about mistaken identity, has a, a scene at the UN, and incorporates Mount Rushmore somehow. Yeah. Ernie. And this is the movie we got. Ernie, here's some shit. Do something with it. Yeah, and he if, walked away. If it was in a different time, I think you could maybe even put this as a screwball comedy. Because oh, yeah. they have the, you know, the auction scene, mm-hmm. the drunk scene. Which, by the way, comedy scenes involving auctions are always funny. Oh, yeah. I've learned this. The Dick Van Dyke Show one's better. The Dick Van Dyke Show one is pretty great. Mm-hmm. That is a great one. Um, but yeah, you know, you could you could categorize this into a lot of things. I think you can ultimately categorize it as a great movie for 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 the reasons that it kind of encompasses a lot of different things so well. Um, I had only seen it once, like a year ago, and I don't remember it being this funny. I think seeing it with an audience really helped mm-hmm. recognize like when yeah. the comedic elements were. Yeah, we should. Do we point out that it was sold out? I cannot. Oh, yeah, I cannot believe that it was sold, sold out. out. And I think that's, that's why we had to sit in the front. I have a feeling, other than maybe rope. Well, no charade. I think I think the series might be hard with because they're so. Che Artiste is doing three more films. They're doing Mr. and Mrs. Smith from 1941 with Carol Lombard and uh, oh. I think Bob Montgomery, uh, and then Rope, and then they're going to do Charade, uh, which is not a Hitchcock film. It's a Stanley Donen I've film. Never like, what um, is that on here? Well, it's because it's Hitchcockian. Um, I guess. Uh, also, it, Cary Grant and I Audrey mean, Hepburn. I'm not I mean, why are you complaining? I'm going to go see it. <laughs> it's why they call. I buy a ticket for that. Yeah, it's yeah. why they call it Hitch with a Twist because the twist at the end is charade. Um, but I think Mr. and Mrs. Smith's going to be the most lightly attended, which is why I will not have a trouble getting a seat for it this Wednesday. Um, and then Rope, I think, might actually have a crowd because people like that film. Like, not as much as you think, but people do like it. So. Um, yeah, it's a great flick. Yep, this is an interesting uh, way to. Brad, would you watch um, North by Northwest again? Um, probably not. Like of my what? own choice. 
I think you should just so then you can actually like see it instead of uh, craning your neck up at I feel a like I screen. Saw it. Mm. Or is there another now you've seen Hitchcock? Would you watch another Hitchcock film? Would yeah, you... I'm kind of hoping they someone does Psycho over the Halloween season. Oh, I'm sure they will. Yeah. Um, so. Watch Psycho. Uh, it's and again, that's so amazing that this movie happens, and then the one right after that is like something is. that absolutely changes the game. I mean, it's it, that, and it's. I mean, it's both psych- mother issues, and yeah. <laughs> well, one's more. Yeah. Well. <laughs> um, actually, but yeah, no. Cary Grant is a man, baby, yeah. <laughs> in North by Northwest. Um, uh, but yeah, no. I mean, I think you might have fun with the birds. You may will not like the visual effects if those are your complaints, but. Uh, it's a decent flick. I, I, like, <laughs> I watch modern movies with shitty special effects and still like them. Yeah. So it's it's just I expected. I didn't expect the effects to be great in the movie. I'm just saying, like, mm. I wasn't. Obviously, it's been built up in my head for yeah. years. So I, I was like watching for more. I don't know, like camera angles that were more suggestive to like the subtext of the movie like it, it just felt like it was gonna be a deeper movie than it was yeah no you'll want to wait you'll want to go into psycho and the birds and stuff yeah like that. that's when you're gonna yeah that's it. what i mean the dude i don't know who he was touching on a little bit i mean by him saying it's not a as great a movie i disagree with but it's more of it's more of a straightforward hitchcock film yeah i mean in psycho there's a scene where a dude falls down the stairs that is maybe i think maybe his best camera trick he's ever done oh when um uh when uh uh Arbogast yeah. gets shoved down the stairs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's, I think North by Northwest is just, it's not a, because it's not a deep film and it's not like, this is going to sound weird. It's not artsy, but yeah. it's not, but it's not supposed to be. That's the thing. Um, it's supposed but, to be fun. But there are other films like Notorious Suspicion that use those unique angles and camera tricks yeah. that he's so well known for. Like, those yeah. are the ones that. That's more of a, I mean, that's the ultimate, North by Northwest is ultimate Hitchcock film. And mm-hmm. if you want to, see Cary Grant do what Cary Grant does. It's spot on. That's why he's so good in it because it's right in his wheelhouse. I think rear window is one that you'll like in yeah. terms of the style and the technique. Cause that's, that's very much Hitchcock working on all cylinders from a technical point of view. And it's about a photographer. Yeah. Rear window is a great who's, movie. Whose leg is broken and he doesn't want to marry Grace Kelly. It's so freaking weird guys. <laughs> Uh, next week we're seeing the three-hour horror. Uh, it chapter two. Yeah, I don't. I was trying to think of a epic. word to just <laughs> epic. There we go. Yeah, it chapter two. Um, so we're gonna first respond. Uh, reactions are starting to trickle out right now. Yeah, they're saying Bill Hader should get an Oscar. <laughs> yeah, which is great. It looks like it's kind of mixed reviews yeah. so far. It's. I'm not surprised because, um, if they do what the book does, it's going to be weird. And um, and it's it I, you know I I had this when I left the first film is are you going to care about the adults as much as you care about the kids and I don't think you can mm-hmm. because there's there's an innocence to children um, throughout the whole film that the adults they don't have anymore so you don't have the emotional pull with it I don't mm-hmm. know it'll be interesting I mean the actors every actor they have in it's great yeah so. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. It, it looks like fun. I mean, I'm going to see it. Hope so. y'all enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. You're not going to come see it? Hells no. Why? Because, well, first of all, I didn't see the first one. You should see the first one. Yeah. And two, I don't like horror, so mm. no thanks. Always always expand your uh, movie-going experiences. You never no. know what you might like. The real nerds give every movie a chance. That's right. Yeah, well, it's a good thing I'm not a real nerd. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you won't even, like, even wait in the waters to see if you like it? No. Why? 
because I don't want to. <laughs> I don't like horror movies, Ryan. I'm sorry. No, I just I just want I want more explanation. If anything, I would go see Ready or Not. Yeah, as a horror horror ish movie. Yeah, it's not a horror movie. Yeah. Okay, then that's about my, the limit. So, I can so, we know Zach. Green, <laughs> I'm just I'm, I'm just because you're here. I'm curious. What is it about horror films you don't like? I don't know. I haven't seen one in a long time, so I don't know if I could like pinpoint a thing. Mm. I guess I just don't like. I don't like being on edge. Mm. You know, it's like I'm there to be entertained. Like I'm watching a movie for entertainment. I'm not watching it to be on edge the whole time. So interesting because a lot of people do watch horror movies because they do find them entertaining. Like that 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 rush of adrenaline. Oh man, I totally forgot the Avengers screening last night. <laughs> this woman like s- snot cried through Tony Stark's death scene <laughs> for the longest time. It was like distracting, obviously. So he should get an Oscar is what you're saying. Yeah, like she's just bawling, like just sniffling constantly, just <laughs> trying to, yeah, like it felt like all the mucus was falling out of her face. She was so broken up about it. Write that story in a letter to the Academy to convince them. <laughs> but yeah, like people watch horror movies because they want that fear rush, mm-hmm. like, you know, in the moment and then they're fine afterwards. But it's it yeah you know, it's like riding a roller coaster. It's controlled you know? fear. It's there's it's, a little bit of fear, danger in there. It's fear that you control, and that's that's the benefit of it. It's it's a healthy thing. Yeah. So. By the way, Valerie Harper died. I know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Rhoda. Valerie Harper died. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. Mary Tyler Moore show. Rhoda. Rhoda's yeah. a fun show. Um. Yeah, I you know I it's, so that's why when I was messaging you, it's hard for me to be objective in horror mm-hmm. films because I don't feel that way in them. Um. Because I've seen so many of them, so it's hard for me to disassociate myself from mm-hmm. that feeling. Um, they have very rarely do you get like truly creeped out by. Something yeah, I really anymore. don't. Yeah, that might be my job too. <laughs> I, mean, I, yeah. don't really, I see way worse. Um, but yeah, I, I was just curious. I mean, you don't have to watch them. I was just wondering. Huh. Maybe something uh, to contemplate. Maybe yeah. it could be an article in yeah. the future. Yep. Yeah, I mean. I, yeah, I mean, I have to ease you in. I mean, like Night of the Living Dead. I always thought that was a scary Night of the film. Living Dead is not scary. No, see? see? See, you can handle horror films then. It's not horror. Like, it's pretty chilling. Yeah, not not by today's standards. That's not real. That's not horror. Mm. Maybe back then, but not. I mean, reanimated corpse eating people sounds pretty horrific to me. You know, I mean, you know, yeah, but see, but the so, effects are so poor that it takes you out. You know what I mean? You know what? I'll let you watch a Day of the Dead, and then you'll see like a really <laughs> horrible, horrible horror film. Not like horrible, like it's a bad movie. I think it's actually um, really great. It's a great movie, but it's one of those films that people don't like because none of the characters are redeemable at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, every character in it's a horrible person. They all deserve to die in yeah. Day of the Dead. And is that the second one or third? That's okay, third, yeah. that's the so second the second one, one is Dawn. Dawn and, of the that's uh, the one they're watching in Stranger Things, right? Yes, and Dawn of the Dead is considered the greatest. Like zombie movie of ever, because it's um, like three hours. And Day epic. of the Dead is a letdown for a lot of people because it is so um, bleak. Bleak. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no redeeming people. Um, it's really graphic, but it's also about two and a half hours of characters mm-hmm. um, mixed in with the zombies and um, what happens after the zombie plague has been going on for so long. Um, I mean, the overall thing is they they're keeping zombies in this uh, underground thing, and a doctor's experimenting on them to see if they can. Um, train them to not attack people, and everybody's a horrible person in it. Well, and Bub, it's really... Bub's redeemable, but Bub's not a person. No, <laughs> Bub's, Bub's a zombie. A zombie. Um, but it, it's a really fascinating character study, hmm. and a lot of people hate it. But I, it's 
I actually really love the film. I feel like people feel that way about Land of the Dead too, and yeah. I don't understand it. Land of Land's the, the next evolution, I think of it too. Yeah, Land's also very. The, the scope is bigger. Yeah, <laughs> Hopper picking his yeah. nose. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. It chapter two next week. We'll float too. Thanks, Grin. Thanks, guys. Yep. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.